Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Off the Books Podcast. I am the lovely Taylor, and join with me today... I am the Sorcerer King. <sighs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am Ainz Elgun. You can call me Lord Ainz. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even have said anything. It's just me today, guys. That's it. <laughs> Don't forget about your skeletal co-host over here. Yeah, the father is uh, currently not here. The skeleton king is here. Yes, the undead king. <laughs> yeah. I am undead. I am an overlord. And thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> you just took a pause. I'm like, what is he going to say? So today we are talking. I lost train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> today we are talking about Overlord, the light um, novels, volume one, The Undead King. Yes. So I'm excited. Yeah. The fourth season of the anime is currently coming out, and I love this this series. I love these books, and I've, I really wanted to do this. And you even started watching the anime because of it, and, mm-hmm. you, and you like it as well. Oh, the anime is, uh, I, I told you earlier, and we'll get into it too, but I didn't expect the anime to be so raunchy as it is. And I was like, okay, now I can really get into it because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that die. There's a lot of people that have some things happen to them that are strange. Yep. But I digress. <laughs> digress, you shall. <laughs> so, for twelve years, the virtual world of Yggdrasil has served as the playground and battlefield for the skeletal lord Mumbunga and his guild of fellow monsters, Ainz Olgon. But the guild's glory days are over, and the game is shutting down permanently. When Momonga logs in one last time just to be there when the servers go dark, something happens. What happens? I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you, all right. fantasy is reality. A rogues gallery of fantastical... So fantastically... Fantastical <laughs> fantasticallys. Devoted NPCs is ready to obey his every order... But the world Momonga now inhabits is not the one he remembers. The game may be over, but the epic tale of Ein's old Gone is only beginning. Ooh. Yes. You know, when I first started the anime, because you don't really you don't see faces or anything in the light novel. So when I first started the anime, I was like, Lord Momonga, I thought he was the villain, and I was like, shit. He's a big bad guy. And then he was the good guy mm. to an extent. He's not the good guy. But he was like There's cute. in this in this series, there's not really a good guy. Yeah, I he's know. He's good he's good to the NPCs. Yeah, that's he's what I'm good I to meant. the people of Nazarek. Yeah, he's good to people who are innocent. Yes. But everyone else are bugs. Yes. Yeah. Like in real life. Yeah, I'm only nice to the people I care about. But, should we get into it? We shall. We shall. So, Satoru Suzuki, whose game avatar is an overlord named Momonga, is having a chat with his friend and guildmate Hirohiro, whose avatar is an elder black ooze. He's a big old slimy dude. Little slime creature. As I move my head when nobody can see, I'm just like pretending to be liquid here. Do you wiggle, wiggle? It rolls. <laughs> it, folds. it folds. 
I like to see you dribble, dribble, but, for sure. But as an elder black ooze, he wiggle wiggles and rolls. Though I guess he could fold because he's got no, he's got no bones. <laughs> could you imagine just seeing his face just hit his stomach just <laughs> folding in half? <laughs> like, here, here, are you good, man? <laughs> Work's been hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> seated in... In the grand round table of Obsidian, the two players continue to chat, exchanging news and expressing each other's thoughts. As it is starting to get late, Hirohiro apologizes to Momonga that he is not able to stay up until the closing of the game. As he logs off, Momonga thanks him for responding to his request for all the members of the guild to gather here on the last day of the game. With that said, Hirohiro then logs out of the... Logs out from the game, leaving Momonga alone in the room. After encountering his comrade, who finally quit the game, he then releases his anger and frustration, slamming his skeletal fists onto the round table, enraged at the fact that all of his guildmates have left both him and the beloved guild behind. He thought that they had spent so much time and made so many memories together. I liked in the book and in, in the anime... When he slammed his hand on the table, it had like it was like tr- still a game, so it was trying to like say that he was doing damage. So it just came up with like a little zero, like I did no damage. Yeah. And then I thought the hero here, like the story behind him, which you don't get a lot of it, just what he says in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I thought it, like I want to know more about him because obviously he's like sick in the real world. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see like where he played out. Well, and they, they talk about this kind of throughout and how, because this, this takes, the game, when, I guess at the very beginning, it takes place on Earth in, mm-hmm. like, 2136. And they say, like, the pollution's so bad and, like, there's no trees or anything like that. And, like, when they go to the amphitheatrum, um, they say that one of their guild members, Blue Planet, was the person who designed... Like, the whole stars in the sky in that area. Even though it's mm. the sixth floor of Nazarek, it's like a whole... I mean, it's it's a sky. Yeah. Like with an active sun and, like, cycle and whatnot. But mm-hmm. then when he actually sees it, he's like, if only Blue Planet could have been here to see this. He would have lost his mind. Yeah. Like, because that's just stuff you couldn't see during this point. Mm-hmm. But... So, I guess I should say there were... There was 43 members of this guild mm-hmm. and, at, at, at its heyday. And what, 37, 36 left? Yeah, only three of them, not including Momonga, mm-hmm. were still, like, they hadn't quit, but they weren't really active in the game anymore. Yeah. Um, all the other ones had, like, given him all of their equipment and stuff like that and basically quit. And can you imagine how sad that is? Like, I like to think about this a lot, and it makes me sad. Like, if I want to be sad, I think about this, and I'm like, okay, thanks. Um, The last time, like, you don't realize, like, when you're on a game on, like, your Xbox or PC or PlayStation, you never realize that one day it's going to be the last, your last game on the headset, talking to people and all that stuff. And half of those people I never talked to in person. I didn't even know their face. Mm-hmm. So it's like I understand his pain and sadness when he didn't have anything. Well, and he had he had no family left. He had no friends outside yeah. of this game. Like, these were his friends. And exactly. Like, like, 
I mean, obviously, I have a life outside of video games, but when, like, Elder Scrolls Online first came out, like, I was big into that, and mm -hmm. I, was, I was part of a guild. I was one of, like, the high-ranking members in that guild, and then I just was like, I'm going to take a break from this, and then I've never been back. Yeah. And I've had the guild master reach out to me a few times be like, we need you to come back, and it's like, I just... Don't have the time. I don't have the time. I'm not really interested in it anymore. And it's so sad, because, like I said, like, you, you get into that part where you're, like, you know hanging out with these people online mm -hmm. for weeks and months at a time and then all of a sudden you never realize that that was your last time logging on yeah, you put i mean in my case there's games i put hundreds of hours into oh yeah because that was just what i did at the time yeah like yeah. sea of thieves that was my game mm -hmm. as like stupid as it sounds it was a good like developed game mm -hmm. and it was fun as shit like the kraken would come and get you and then there were sharks in the water. And then there was this cool little mermaid that went like this when you were lost at sea. And then you went to it. I thought it would kill you. But it actually just gives you back to where you were supposed to go. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I always thought it was going to kill me. Yeah, all right. So I never went. And then I get attacked and eaten by sharks. It was a great time. Oh, all right. Well. <laughs> He's just like, that was a lot. <laughs> I mean, when I think of the mermaid, I think of the sirens. Yeah, it was like a siren, but it yeah. was like a male, too, and that's what creeped Pull, me out. Pulling you into the rocks. Yeah, it was just like this with a torch, just waving its you know, hand over its head. Like, hey! Hey, buddy! Get over here! <laughs> like, just trying to take you back to safety. <laughs> but you don't know that because I look creepy. So, um, everyone has now left him. He's by mm -hmm. himself. So... He reasons with himself, saying that his guildmates did not abandon him. They merely have real life to deal with, mm -hmm. which Satro does not want to do himself. Yeah. Since there's not much time left before the game closes down, Momonga decides to accept the fact that he is still the guildmaster and ruler of Einzogon, bringing his beloved guild weapon with him, the staff of Einzogon. Yeah. It's he cool then staff. walks to the ninth floor of the great tomb of Nazarek, and later the final floor of the guild. Afterwards, he walks towards the very heart of Nazarek, the throne itself. When Momonga arrives at the open lobby of the 10th floor, he is greeted by the head butler and the six battle maids, the Pleiades. He then orders them to follow him. Entering the throne room, he is greeted by the sight of a female NPC, Albedo. Uh, standing next to the throne. Curious, he decides to check on her settings and is surprised to see a dense array of text flooding his vision. <laughs> Moreover, his shock comes when he sees the last description that Tabula uh, Smaragdina, which was mm -hmm. Albedo's creator, one of the members of the guild, uh, had set in Albedo's setting. Which he, just said, she will be a bitch. Yeah. By the way, she's a bitch. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Her backstory was so dense. He's just scrolling. Mm -hmm. And he's and like, he's I don't care about like this. Scrolling. Keep going. Keep going. She's a bitch. Got it. We're kind of changed that. <laughs> and he was, like, he was like, that seems like something that Tabula would do. Because mm -hmm. he's like, she's a beauty on the outside. But then he's like, oh, and by the way, she's a bitch. <laughs> a little sprinkle of bitchiness over here. <laughs> yeah. So using the power of the guild weapon, which grants him guild master privileges... He erases the part, that part of her settings and later jokingly types on the console's keypad to make her fall in love with him. She is in love with Momonga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, deeply in love with Momonga. Right. Yeah. 
thereafter, he decides that everything is said and sits down on the towering throne. As he remains seated, he orders Sebus, the Pleiades, and Albedo to kneel down. Next, he counts out each and every one of his guild members' banners raised in the throne room, which numbers up to 41 of them. I said 43 earlier. It's 41. Each banner's emblem signifies one of the 41 members of Einzelgon, including himself. Momunga ends up feeling sad as he recalls all of his nostalgic past adventures with his comrades. As the ending draws closer, he sits back, closes his eyes, and prepares for the server to log him out. But what happens? But There's a big <laughs> but here. There's a huge but. Or if that was the end of the book, I'd be severely disappointed. Like, all right, that's it for this week. That's it. <laughs> we're, we're done. <laughs> Pack up, go home. <laughs> like, but strangely, after midnight had passed, Momonga is not logged out. It turns out that Momonga, along with the great tomb of Nazarek, has been transported into another world. Which some, That's something they don't figure out quickly. Mm-hmm. And has become one of his his one with his game character, with all the NPCs having gained sentience. He becomes alarmed at first and started panicking. In that situation, he is stunned when he when he heard a female voice, as there shouldn't be anyone else except for him alone in the room who can speak. Even more shocking is the fact that that the one that spoke to him just now was Albedo, an NPC. She asks Momonga if there's anything wrong before the situation gets out of hand. From himself panicking, he suddenly calms down. This is due to his passive skill as an undead that suppresses strong emotions. After he has calmed down, he answers her question and then decides to confirm if the NPCs like Sebus will obey him or not. Making a quick decision, he orders Sebus to check the surface above the great tomb of Nazarek. Sebus does so without hesitation, much to Momonga's relief. Albedo then asks what sort of orders does he have for her. He then orders Albedo to gather all of the floor guardians, with the exception of the floor guardians of the 8th floor and the 4th floor, and bring them to meet him at the amphitheater. The amphitheater, the amphitheatrum, mm-hmm. they have a couple different names for it. Yeah. Uh, which is on the 6th floor. Mm-hmm. But he he gropes her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gropes her at one point. He's like, he like he's sends like, the plane. I gotta know if this is real. He's like, can maybe, I touch your chest? <laughs> he's like, maybe maybe this is Yggdrasil too. Uh, who knows? Maybe they just rolled it right out immediately. And he's like, um, um, Albedo, um, can I can I touch your chest? And she's like, oh my god, please, please, master, please touch my chest. Yeah. <laughs> I literally watched that it. and I was like, why? <laughs> and he does it for an extended period of time. Yeah, he's just in thought, just in the ch- <laughs> Just hand on boobs. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Albedo. And she's just like, oh my god, this is going to be my first time with, with Lil Ramonga. <laughs> yeah, it's like, should I take my clothes off or do you want to take them off me? Or do you want me to leave them on? But they might get dirty if I leave them on. <laughs> this whole scene had me cracking up because i'm like i'm like i love the way anime characters especially the female ones how they're very enthusiastic they're you know that's just how anime is i thought you were gonna say busty for a second and busty (laughs) But, (laughs) but she's i mean they're all busty but they're very enthusiastic and i'm like 
oh my god, this woman is about to jump him and, like, say with pleasure, like, she's a goddamn Chick-fil-A employee. Well, there, there's a moment where, I think it's after he sends her out, where he just kind of, like, looks down at himself and kind of pats around for a second. <laughs> and he's like, huh, lost it before I ever got to use it, huh? <laughs> it's like, dude, you were in your 30s. Yeah, like get your sh- shit together. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, is there Viagra in this kind of world? He's a skeleton. Skeletons don't have penises. Yeah, I always wondered that because because later when they're they'd... talking about making an heir. Yeah, know. I'm like, how's the fuck is that gonna work? <laughs> you can't do shit. It's gonna it's gonna be a little bit pokey and bony, but damn. Maybe they'll take some of his bone marrow. I don't know. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, God. I digress. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, We had talked a little bit earlier how... Mm -hmm. Even still, I don't know. Like, I know Victim is one of the floor... Is the floor guarding the eighth floor, but I don't know who else is there. Gotcha. Um, But the fourth floor is Gargantua. And he's a. You see him at the beginning of the second season, and he looks like a giant block. Mmm. Okay. Like he would probably like if if we were to start his width, it would start like at the end of this house and go like three to four up the street. Oh my god! And then probably over to the townhouses. Holy shit! And then he'd be like another forty meters tall. He's fucking gigantic. Well, he better be if he's going to be having that name. Yeah, Gargantua. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just like, all right, leave Victim and Gargantua there. Yeah. Um, after Alberto leaves, Momongo falls into a short depression as he blames himself for messing with the settings of Alberto, tarnishing his friend's ideal work, which this fucks with him for a while mm-hmm. because he really feels like he fucked with what Tabula made. Yeah. Yeah. And he also, I think, feels bad for a while that this MPC is obsessed with him and loves him. And he's like, shit, like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I think she's attractive, but, like, I can't be with her 24-7. Right. Right. Well, there's there's a point where they try and get her to ride, like, her her mount, like her horse. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what are you and it's it's a it's a bicorn, so it's the opposite of a unicorn, and like a unicorn can only be ridden by like maidens and whatnot. And bicorns are supposed to be ridden by people that are like very sinful. And she can't ride the bicorn because she's a virgin. <laughs> That's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. She can't ride it because she's a virgin. She might break her hymen. I don't know. <laughs> And she was like, this oh, might be a good so excuse funny. to get Lord Hines to help me with this. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that really helped. Mm-hmm. That really made my day. Yeah. <clears throat> so- <laughs> You're not sinful enough. <laughs> so Momonga later teleports to the amphitheater using the function of his ring of Einzogon, uh, confirming that he has no problem using magic items. As he enters the amphitheater, he is greeted by... Aura Bella Fiora and Mare Bello Fiore, the twin guardians of the sixth floor. After an exchange of words, he decides to confirm if his powers, skills, and abilities from the game still work in this new reality through a few tests. 
Next, he tries out his message ability as he attempts to contact the GM or any other guild members that may have been in the game and just happen to get moved as well. Yeah. Uh, he is unsuccessful and decides to message Sebus and said, Sebus responds to Momonga's message and gives him a report of, of the situation above, informing the master that the surface of the Great Tomb of Nazarek is no longer in a hazardous swamp, but a flat grassland with clear night sky instead. Momonga then instructs Sebus to collect as much information as possible and return to him immediately after that. Ending the message link, he begins to test out the staff of Einzogun's power by summoning a primal fire elemental. After con confirming it with Aura, he then orders the summoned elemental being to attack the twins, which is nothing more than a good exercise for them. After finding out that his power is, uh, powers are still usable, like in the game, he also wants to confirm whether the NPCs are still loyal to him. With the exception of Victim of the 8th eighth, eighth Floor Guardian and Gargantua, the 4th Floor Guardian, all of the highest ranking NPCs in Nazarek gather before Momonga and swear undying loyalty. Those who are present are the true vampire Shaltir Bloodfallen, the vermin lord Kokaitis, the dark uh, elf twins Aura and Mare, the archdevil Demiurge, the dragonoid Se butler Sebastian, and the succubus Albedo. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel stupid for just saying that I just got it. That Albedo is a succubus? Yeah. But do you understand the myth of succubuses? Mm -hmm. And she's a virgin? Mm -hmm. And how old is she? Like, pretty yeah. goddamn old. Yeah. Yeah, she's a succubi. But of... Uh, mm -hmm. Baby succubuses come out a whore. Like... Yes. In this video... <laughs> This bitch is the virgin. I'm, that's, I'm, this is fantastic. <laughs> this is good. Like, now that I'm learning all of this shit, it's like, oh my <laughs> this God. This is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I love it. I, I, I love Sebus, the butler. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a cool character. He's a dragonoid. Wow. His human form is not his real form. You know who I really liked was the, the demon. Demiurge. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool the guy. The Archdevil, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a cool guy. When he went into the uh, his other form, though. His half-demon form. It looks like a bad fly. Or a frog with wings. Frog with wings. That's what it was. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, why did it have to be a frog? Like, it could have been anything. You picked... You landed on frog? Yes. But it's it's at this point that, like, one of the funniest scenes in this book happens. So they all, like, swear their loyalty to him. Mm -hmm. And then he's just, like, like, exudes his power. And they're all just, like, cool. And then he leaves and they're like, oh, my God, that was a lot of, like, that power was basically forcing us into the fucking ground. Yeah. And everyone's standing and talking and they look over at Chaltier and they're like, are you okay? Because she's like shivering. And she's just like, oh, you didn't feel that power? Like, we were so lucky. She was like, because of that, I got a little mess in my panties right now. 
And they're, and Alberta's. She's like, she's like, how can you not be wet? And I'm like, I, what? I love that Alberta was like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> they start fighting each other, and I'm like, somebody get in between them because she calls both of- her an old hag. She's like, <laughs> if you aren't wet from that, you must be a shriv- a dried up old hag. <laughs> yeah. So I, she's I, I love how Demiurge looks at, essentially the youngest one out of all of them, looks at, at Aura and is mm-hmm. like, Aura, I'm going to let you deal with the women. And he's like, what? Kakaitis and Mare, you come with me. We're yeah. going to come over here. Yeah. And that's where Kakaitis is like, you know, he need, they, being he needs like, oh, they, they're they talking about an Ainz having, well, Mamonga having an heir, and Kakaitis is like, oh. I could teach them how to fight, and they would call me Uncle Kakaitis. <laughs> and he's like, "This would be amazing. I fucking love. I would love to have a little kid here." And then, and and then they're just like, "Kakaitis, are you done? Come back to us." <laughs> yeah, and the, and the women are still fighting over who gets him. And she's like, "Well, one of our Abedo is like, well, one of us has to be his his real official wife, and then the other one can just be a mistress." They're like, "We've we've figured." Lord Momonga has so much power, one wife would not be enough for him. Yeah. Now we're just trying to figure out who will be the first wife. Yeah. But that can be decided at a later date. <laughs> She's like, I just needed his pants, his bony little pants. Just give it. Oh, God. She's like, let me go ahead and find Nemo. Where's Nemo? Nemo's gone. Nemo's the no little longer fish. here. <laughs> the little fish. Oh, my God. So funny. Oh, God. So, so establishing the fact that they are indeed still loyal to him, he decides that in order to maintain their loyalty from the floor guard, to maintain their loyalty from the floor guardians, he must act befittingly as the overlord that they see him as. Momonga sets Nazarik into motion to survive in this new unknown world. Uh, Momonga is having some difficulty, like. He wants some time by himself mm-hmm. because there's always like these maids that are with him and there's like the floor guardians are making an honor guard go with him fucking everywhere. Yeah. So that's when he like dresses up as dark warrior and is like, I'm just going to sneak outside. Mm-hmm. Just, get, just get some fresh air. Yep. And of course he gets to the first floor and there's Demiurge. So he's like, Hey, Lord Momonga, what are you? What you doing, buddy? What are you doing out here? What do you think? Where do you think you're going without a guard? So he lets Demiurge come with him, and he's he's staring at the night sky, which is the first time he's seen it. Mm-hmm. And he says that it looks like a box of jewels. It's like a box of jewels there for me to take. And Demiurge hears this and is just like, "That's what we're gonna do." That's what we're mm-hmm. gonna do. We're gonna take the stars. <laughs> I, lo- I love these. There's all these memes out there for Overlord that are like uh, Demiurge explaining Ainz's plan to the other floor guardians, and Ainz is just sitting there like, mm, yeah, that's. <laughs> I thought, uh-huh, yep. That I'm was definitely my that. idea. Because <laughs> like, I think they had that. Ainz uh, has that problem a lot where. Um, He'll be thinking something or do something, and he means it to be in a completely different way. And then, like, Albedo or any of the others will be like, Oh, Lord, Mamanga, that is so smart. You, I can't believe you're doing... That is a great idea. And he's like, uh, 
yes that that was my idea the whole yeah, time yeah that's exactly what i planned to do yeah and I he's like yeah yeah like there's there's so many times where like demiurge will be talking kind of being like their strategist and he's like he's like lord mamunga or lord Ines has come up with this brilliant plan and he's just like Yes, well, why don't you explain it to them, Demiurge, <laughs> so they all understand what you... What I what, mean. What I mean. And he's like, oh, I'd be so honored, my lord. And he explains it, and, and he's just sitting there like, I did not mean for this to happen at <laughs> yeah. all. Because when they're up, and then when they're both out looking at the stars together, that's when he's like, we should conquer the world. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what we should do. We should just take over the world. And I was like, okay, boy, like, yeah. you think you're cool? Yeah. It was so funny. Yeah, that's where he makes the comment. He's like, the world is like a box of jewels. Mm-hmm. There for me to take. And he's like, no, I shouldn't take that from everyone. And Demi are just like, oh, take we're, it. we're definitely going to take this it. from everyone. <laughs> we're taking it now. <laughs> oh, so when Momonga goes outside of Nasrik, he jokingly suggests to Demi Urge that maybe they should conquer the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which... Kind of the plan from there on out. Yep. <laughs> so, while trying to figure out how to use a magic mirror to see the outside world, he accidentally discovers a village under attack by a group of knights. And this is really funny, because he's sitting there using this, and he's just kind of, like, scrolling with his hand. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, accidentally, like, moves his hand, and the fucking, like... The recording just goes crazy to, like, one direction. And Sebus is like... Good, very good, my lord. Very good. Very, very good. And he's like, but I didn't fucking do anything. Yeah. Just trial and error. Yeah, and he's like, my lord, you are so smart. You are amazing, blah, blah, blah. It's like I've been at this for three and a half hours. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> um, so he decides, deciding to save the village to gather information on this world and at the same time test how powerful this world's combatants are he charges forth and saves a pair of sisters, mm-hmm. Enri and Nebu, who basically become fairly main characters after this. Yeah. Um, while using some of his magic and one of his weak summoned monsters, he finds out that the human knights are extremely weak. <laughs> well, when you put like a giant death knight against them, yeah, I, th- I, think I would they're, s- yeah. assume they're gonna die pretty quickly. Probably so. Yeah. Probably so. So he slaughters them. Uh, the village is saved, and as payment, he asks for information on this world, which allows him to understand it much better. At this time, the warrior captain Gazif Stronoff arrives with his troops. After a brief meeting between him and Eines, it is made apparent that the attack on the village is a trap to drag Gazev out when the Sunlight Scripture surrounds the village. The Sunlight Scripture is a special ops group from a neighboring country because they... Gazev Stronoff is the warrior captain, the warrior chief mm-hmm. in the Riestes kingdom. And then the Sunlit Scripture is from the Slain Theocracy. So, and, you know, it's interesting. The Slain Theocracy is rumored to have been founded by other players that were actually transported to this world. Mm-hmm. 600 years prior to this. And then there's the Greed Kings, 200 years after that, that supposedly took down the last of the six gods 
that the slain theocracy worships. Um, so, sunlit scripture surrounds the village. Gazif rides forth in a valiant attempt to protect the villagers, but he and his men are eventually overwhelmed. Uh, before he is slain, however, Momonga uses a teleportation spell to switch places with Gazif and his men. Momonga and, and Albedo show up, and Mal- Albedo is in full plate armor with a giant battle axe. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the dudes from the Sunlit Scripture tries to shoot like a lead ball out of a slingshot at Ainz. And Albedo, like, uses her axe to, like, basically return it like it's a serve in tennis. Yeah. And makes the man's head explode. Yep. And then is just, like, freaking out, like, you fucking worms. Yeah. You would attempt to attack my my master. And he's just like, Albedo, it's cool. It's fine. They ain't got nothing on me. Yeah. They ain't got nothing on me. So he, he fights them. The leader of the sunship, sunscript, sunlit scripture, Jesus Christ, uh, brings out this summoning jewel. And he's like, this is like the one of the most powerful things that we have in our arsenal. And he lets it loose. And it's there. And he's just like, ah, cower in fear before this. And I'm just like, really, that's it? Like <laughs> That's this is all it. He's you like, got. I, he's like, I can't believe this. And, he's, and the dude he's fighting is just like, yes, that's right. Like fear, cower in fear before this. And he was like, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. Yeah. And then he takes it out in one blow. Like just in one move, just like yeah, gone. It was like, and it was a small spell too. He even stated, mm. he was like, oh, "I didn't even think that would work. It's a small spell, and blah blah blah." And it oh, he got knew rid it, of it. He knew it would work, but yeah. he was like, "This is only like tier seven magic, tier yeah. eight magic." And now, he's granted, what this, tier one hundred? Uh, he can use super tier magic. Yeah. So the magic goes in tiers up until ten, but then there's also. Uh, there's two tiers above that, and super tier is like the largest. That you can. Mm-hmm. Um, most super tier spells are actually used more as... They're seen more as skills as opposed to spells, so they don't use up your MP. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't, like, rapid fire them off. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he fires up. At this point, the highest... There's rumors about tier 6 and tier 7 magic. The highest that people have actually been able to do is tier 5. And he's just like, here's a little bit of tier eight for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want another taste, here's tier nine. <laughs> so he easily defeats and captures the sunlit scripture. After this, he decides with the village saved, he will return home to Nazarek. Uh, having returned home to Nazarek, Momonga gathers all of the high-ranking NPCs to make an announcement. Announcing a firm declaration to his subordinates, he makes it clear to everyone that from this day forth, his name will no longer be Momonga, but will henceforth from now shall be known as Ein's Old Gone. He does this in case there's any any of his guild members that somehow got transported to this world. He's like, I, if I can make the name of Ein's Old Gone large again and well-known... Mm-hmm. Other players and people like that will find us. Yeah. And, like, maybe some of my friends are here. Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> As he whispered that. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Um, he then leaves the throne room to let Albedo inform the other piece NPCs what needs to be done. Unknown to Ainz, Albedo gives word to Demiurge, who states to all the other NPCs what Ainz had previously told him, his joke about world conquest. Demiurge explains to his fellow NPCs that he views this to be the wish of their overlord, and all the NPCs proclaim in unison that the world will be given to Ainz. And that's how the first book ends. <laughs> because they take things so literally. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. So, and then he just goes with it. He's like, oh, I guess that's a good idea. I'll, yeah, sure. Because <laughs> he's like, I don't know how to say no to them. Yeah. Because, like, they, they, see, they know that the 41 members of Ions are made them. They are aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they know who their creators are. They remember them. Like, they remember spending time with them, even as NPCs. Yeah. And they are very well aware. And they bring it up multiple times in some of the other books. About how Ainz was the only one that stayed with them. Mm-hmm. He was the one that didn't abandon them. Exactly. Everybody else left or didn't come back for a while and then just so stopped coming. They feel very indebted to him. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are willing to lay down their lives for his happiness. Yeah. Like. Which I get. I mean. There's a couple of them that have been like, I'm so sorry I disappointed you. Please take my life. Yeah. And he's like. Fucking slow down, it's please. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah, but I I understand like from their point of view too. Like, if if there were if there was a person that never abandoned me in my life and was just always there and reliable and whatever, I would I would also be like, y- yeah, if you needed me to go to war for you, buddy, I'm there. Yeah. So I understand how why the NPCs are how they are. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do think they take it too far sometimes, but... Oh, they're fucking crazy. They're crazy. I, mean, <laughs> I love they're them. Insane. They're insane. They're yeah. insane. We're all crazy here. Yeah. Just like this show. <laughs> yeah, and, and but I, one of the reasons why I love this series and I love the, like, the show, because I, I watched the show first before I got into the series, was is it takes a different... I love the isekai genre. I love the main character being transported into a different world type shit. But the fact that this one <laughs> takes a different like it's not a they're not a hero like they're not getting all the girls or shit like that like they are the bad guys yeah they are the villains they are like we are going to conquer the fucking world and uh-huh. i love that shit i think i told you at one point Ainz kills like three hundred thousand people and doesn't bat an eye yeah yeah and he even has stated as a narrator multiple times that the more he's in his avatar the more he doesn't feel emotions for others right and for these pesky humans and Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah 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 i understand yeah but i mean i i enjoyed it very much so i Um, really enjoyed it i thought it was i still i mean i liked the i liked this one but you know my thoughts on solo leveling yeah, I think I think I've made a huge fan of solo leveling in you. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I still need to read the second book, but I've been busy with other mm-hmm. TBR books. So, but yeah, that's definitely coming up soon that I want to read that. Yeah, it's on your list. Yeah, I mean, I've already bought it. It's on my Kindle. I just haven't picked up my Kindle in a couple days. Yes. So. Yeah. But. But so, what would you give this one? I would definitely give this one. It, it, 
<clears throat> I would definitely give it like a 4.8. Because I think that's also what I gave Solo Leveling. It was like a 4.8. I think you gave it a 4.9, if not higher. I might have. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked this one a lot. I think the um, I think the, the anime for it was really well done. So I really enjoyed that. Because if you are a fan of not reading, they did an, a good job at mm-hmm. bringing it to life. So I... I I liked that part, and then, it, again, it was a great book. Yeah, the, the first four episodes of the first season of this anime covered this book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a great... I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. I would give it a, a, a 487. Hmm. A 487. This is probably one of my favorite series. I'm in the middle of watching the fourth season right now. There's a new episode that comes out tomorrow. I'm mm-hmm. excited about that, because I've been waiting since 2019 for this fourth season. Yeah. So... I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a lot of books to be turned into movies or TV shows like they said they would Mm -hmm. in, like, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and then life happened, shit happened, pandemic happened, and then everything's been pushed. So it's like we still don't have casting. We still don't have, um, like, the dates are going to be released. Like, nothing's been shown for all these, like, books turned to film that I want to know. But we have the terminal list. We have the terminal list, people. <laughs> That's the only thing I care we about right now. We do have the terminal list, yeah. <sighs> yep. And solo leveling is coming out next year. So excited, man. There's actually already been controversy with it. Really? Yes. Because it's being made by a Japanese company. Oh, I can and there's see some, that. There's some fr- pe- so I didn't realize this. It's, it's a South Korean book, but when it was released in Japan, they rewrote part of it. Yeah. So that the main character was Japanese. And I don't know what the whole, like, Jeju Island bit had to do, like, how that went down. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of people that are like, how are they going to do it? Is it going to be a Japanese, like, is it going to be a Japanese main character? Like, it was, when it was released, are they going to stay true to the original? They like, should. And there's some people in Japan saying that, that solo leveling is an anti-Japanese series. Because the Japanese don't look great in it. And it's like, well, the Americans don't look great in a lot of fucking anime. But I don't yeah. think they're anti-American anime. No. I, I'm, yeah. I think I think no matter who made it, somebody's going to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if it was really made with South Korea, it would still be... Um, it would still piss off Japan and Japanese right. people because of of how it, it how it will be made and you know there's always a controversy of will they put japan in a good light or a bad light well you're not that close together of allies so well, i mean they are right now right now but like the book doesn't make them seem that great exactly so i understand what e- either both sides of it but hopefully the fans get what's deserved it interestingly makes like, the whole series puts the Chinese in a better light than the Japanese and the Americans, which is interesting. <laughs> very interesting. I, I, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I also was surprised that in Sailor Leveling, they talk about the one guy having the guild in America, like, pretty frequently. So, because you would have thought they would have done it somewhere else and yeah. not picked America, because we're not... <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it like that. We're yeah, not. Let's do it like that. <laughs> so next week, uh, special guest. 
your sister, my girlfriend, Miss Danielle. Yes. Long overdue. What book are we doing? We are discussing another book from Miss Colleen Hoover, who I absolutely adore. Um, and this is the one of my favorites from her, uh, Ugly Love. And Ugly Love, okay. It's, it's a shit show. It's a very good book, very well written. Um, but I always say this, Ugly Love made me ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am still, like, I'm still picking up pieces of me. Like, it hurt. Because <laughs> I, I, I related so much to both characters in yeah. certain ways. Not their whole life, but, right. you know, certain ways or certain, you know, just discussions that they had. You know, I remember having that with my ex. So, like, a lot of it hit home. So, I was like, <laughs> like, ugly crying upstairs. <laughs> I was not okay for a good two weeks. <laughs> okay. So, next week is Ugly Love by Colleen Hoover. In two weeks, I mm-hmm. already got that one picked out as well. Ooh. In two weeks, we will be doing a book known as 86. 86. Yes, and there is going to be some very interesting topics that we can talk about with that in terms of, like, social justice and things like that. Oh. Yes. Oh. Is it uh, the anime? There is an anime for it. The books are really good. But the light novel is... Yes. Okay. Yes. So, Ugly Love next week, 86 the week after that, and... um, yeah, I think that's all for us. Yeah. So, well, thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Please. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Por favor. Follow us on TikToks. Gracias. <laughs> Tanita? <laughs> I ran out of how to say thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. On that note, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, anywhere you can find podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your kids, tell your enemies. I don't give a shit. We just want listeners. Boop, boop. Thank you. Good night. Good morrow. Good morning. And remember to keep that shit off the books. Keep it off the books. See you guys. See you next week.